Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Windy. And our tactics guy and a man who's thoroughly back on the dribbly wing at hype train. It's Nathan Lee Clark. Hello Nathan. Oh we are so back. (laughs) Put the word out Nathan. We're back up. Um, and, And why would that be? Because uh, there's a teenager in Belgium that we're after. And not even for now, for the summer. Uh, we will definitely be coming back to that. Um, firstly, apologies for getting it wrong about our defensive set pieces. Of course, it's Mile Jedernak who is responsible for our defensive set pieces, as Ange told us earlier in the season. Mm. Thank you to the many, many, many people who told us that we were wrong on that. I appreciate not we, it. Not we. We weren't wrong, Wendy. No, well, I was I, wrong. I, was I, wrong. I, I wasn't for once. Um, and also a shout out to Josh Newmark and his dad, hmm. uh, who has set up a an Ange car alarm. So when he when he locks his car, it says "Enjoy your lunch, mate." And I think that is genius. Um, I don't know when it'll get old, but I really enjoyed the video. Thank you, Josh. That was fun. Um, we, we haven't got a game to talk about this week, so instead we're going to do some transfer stuff. But before we do that, uh, I did a Windy's Youth Update pod for the Patreon over the weekend, which was good fun and a bit of a throwback. So I, I don't have um, I don't have my ear to the ground quite as much with the youth teams right now. I don't uh, go and watch them live, but Spurs play has made it very easy for me to still follow the youth team. Nice. So I've been catching some under-18s and under-21s, which has been fantastic. And also, since two of our young players joined Plymouth, I watched the Plymouth game over the weekend to sort of do a bit of a scouting um, report on Alfie Devine and Ashley Phillips, uh, which was interesting. Did you? Did either of you guys catch the Plymouth game? Um, no, no, I didn't. No, but I'm interested no. to hear. So, what, yeah, I'm interested to hear what Wendy thinks about Phillips. Mm. So we've we've had quite a lot of Phillips discord, haven't we? Because mm. sorry, discourse, I should say, mm. uh, because Nathan um, said he didn't feel that Phillips was ready for Premier League football because he's not good enough on the ball. Yeah, uh, that was certainly my reading of of okay. Phillips for Plymouth. This was his second game. I would say Ashley Phillips is a really good passer of the ball. He is uh, he picks good passes. He weights them well. He plays clever passes. The problem with Phillips is he's not good in possession. He's very stiff and awkward in possession mm. and ends up uh, kind of telegraphing what he's going to do next. And I think Premier League strikers who are adept at pressing will find that quite easy to play against. Um, that said, he's a pretty solid defender and I think he's doing a really good job. And He's 18. You know, he's a really young player. Centre-back's mature, quite late typically. Uh, I think we're on to a winner with Phillips. I think he's a, a really hot prospect, but he doesn't have the Van der Ven hips. Hmm. He doesn't have the Destiny Doggy kinesthetic ability. Uh, he has the Eric Dyer stiffness, and that is something he will need to work on over time if he's going to make it for a, a ball-playing team like Spurs. 
Uh, really impressed with Alfie Devine. He got an assist on his Plymouth debut. It kind of looks like, I don't know, he's a level above a lot of the players on the pitch. They were playing Cardiff, so Cardiff have a, a handful of good players. And across the 22, it looked to me like Devine was the, the sort of outstanding creative player. Um, he was a little sloppy at times with some of his passing, but when he's carrying the ball, he does it with purpose. He means business. He He's really a very intelligent user of the ball. And yeah, I like this move for him a lot. He played on the left of a two behind a front man in a three, four, two, one, a bit like the old Conte formation for Spurs. And uh, yeah, I really liked what I saw. I think maybe he or maybe some relevant coaches would, would say that the Port Vale loan was useful for him in some way. But to me, he was always, you know, he was ready for the championship. Um, And I don't think a bit of League One has made him any readier. And as you say, he's already standing out in a championship team against championship opposition, right? So Mm. I listened to him do a sort of goodbye interview for Port Vale's social media. And it was clear how much affection he had for Port Vale and how much he felt he learned sort of on a personal level. So I think there's even if from a football perspective, he didn't learn a lot. I feel like he's grown as a person from being there. And I think that is in itself okay. good. Sure. Um, but I do think we've made the right call in, in getting him back and putting out putting him back out at a higher level. Really pleased to see how we're managing our loans. Yeah. I think that is that sort of proactive approach has been missing for a couple of years and I'm delighted it's back. A lot of, lot of players out on loan at the moment and more that we're looking for. Good to see, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we've got seven over 21 players out alone and three under 21 sorry four under 21s and as you say right now switching up if it's not working in the first half of the season not just letting them sit there dormant and wasting a wasting a season of development you know yeah yeah you know tanganga has been called back from augsburg and and will go back out i think spence has been has come back and gone and gone back out to genoa and, and divine obviously dane scarlet's come back uh, because he wasn't getting game time. So I really appreciate the fact mm. that Spurs are doing this now. And uh, that's that's a real positive move. Um, Didn't Tanganga go to on, Millwall? Sorry. He went, he went to Millwall, no? Yes, sorry, you're right. He's gone back out to Millwall and he made his debut for them. Mm. Yeah, he made his debut coming off the bench. Oh, good. Uh, that that level, he's, he's going to be too good for that level. But, you know, he needs that. He needs that boost, I think, at this stage. Um, before I move on, uh, I also talked about our youth players and I just wanted to briefly touch on the players who I think are our top five youth prospects at the moment. Um, and I won't include Divine just because everyone knows about him and I think he's already, you know, he's a championship player already. He's, he's kind of made it <laughs> to some level. Um, so you know that I rate Donnelly and Dorrington very highly. They're both in my top five. The other three are players that people might know a little bit less about. Uh, firstly, Tyrese Hall, who is a central midfielder, brilliant ball carrier, really good presser, um, good finisher. He scores a lot of goals for the under 18s, absolutely ready to step up now to the 21s in my view. And I think he will once some more loans happen. Uh, and he's, he's really exciting. Uh, Leo Black, who is a right back who essentially plays the inverted right back role for our under 18s because he can play in midfield as well, but they play with one inverted fullback and he's the one that does that and it works out really well for him. Again, excellent ball carrier, likes to play in tight spaces, likes to have uh, lots of neat interplay with his teammates. So really well suited to what our first team is trying to do. And I think he's definitely one to watch for the future. And finally, Mikey Moore, who a lot of people will have heard the name. Um, mm. Not too many would have seen him play. I just think... He, Get, get Spurs play for the back end of the season and, and watch a couple of under-18 games so you get to see Mikey Moore play at that level because he's a really exciting talent. He's kind of got everything. He can play in a whole variety of positions. And um, I just hope we get this one right because he should be he should be a gem. Uh, he's He's got everything in his locker to be an absolute gem for us. So fingers crossed we, we develop him properly. He's 16, so it's a, it's, a, it's a way off, yeah, but definitely one to watch. Awesome. Bardi, you are uh, working on a podcast as well. Yeah, we have a really nice running uh, fitness and exercise community on Discord. It's one of the kind of benefits you get if you're a patron. There's runners in there, there's climbers, there's footballers, there's serious athletes like speed merchants like Dan, there's newbies and there's plodders like myself. <laughs> and, and me. Uh, <laughs> and Nathan and his um, his leggings that he, he shared a nice photo of his <laughs> leggings the other day. So um, 
there's quite a little bit of a community there. So I was thinking about starting a X Hub special run, push, pull podcast where we'll talk to a range of different kind of people. So if you're a physio, PT, dietitian, coach, or an instructor of any sport, drop me a line. I've already got a, a running coach lined up to come in and talk about awesome. how, how you start running, how you improve your running. And yeah, we're going to look to do that because there's a great community there and we're always asking each other questions and we kind of realize we don't always, can't always work out the answers. So that's what we're going to be doing coming for, coming soon. I felt really good about, because I had a cold, so I've been off the I've been off the road for a few days. I felt really good about getting back out there, getting another run under my belt, building up that momentum again last night. It was dark and it was wet and I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. I've got these new leggings I'm going to put on. I've got this new bobble hat with an inbuilt head torch. What I didn't know is that there was a storm going on <laughs> and the trees were like swinging back and forth and creaking yeah. and cracking. And I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't be out here right now. <laughs> Good headwinds. If you get it behind you, you could do some good times. Yeah, and then I've got to um, go back the way I came. <laughs> yeah, I went. Bit of resistance. I, I went for a club run on Sunday. It was um, a, a trail run. It was meant to be like maybe fifteen people running through the trails. Uh, I turned up ten minutes early. I was like, "Where is everybody?" Five minutes later, still no one there. Anyway, got the got the day wrong. So New Year's resolution: <laughs> always check, always check dates on events. Just don't turn up. So I did a nice little run through Woburn. If you know the area, it's a beautiful place to run deer and geese and all kinds of stuff. Very nice. And the reason we're talking about eighteen-year-old uh, Norwegian wingers, Nathan, mm. is because it seems as though Spurs want to tie up a deal for Antonio Nusa, who. I think a lot of people have heard about because there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, but you finished your video. Yeah, well, I, I haven't finished editing it. I've, I recorded a video on, on Noosa uh, last night. Um, oh, boy. I can't remember. I wonder... Um, sorry. <laughs> Quite a few times recently, uh, a player has come to my attention uh, for a role that I think we need. And I've talked about them and I've done some content on them. And then later we've been linked. I think that Noosa was probably the other way around. I think we might have been linked very vaguely in the summer and that brought him to my attention and I was like oh okay this guy rocks and now we're like really going in for him this time it seems so I think that I think that the club were first this time around um but but boy <laughs> what a special special talent Antonio Nisa is not to spoil the video but um he absolutely rocks he's um he's 18 um and and he's he's already a very very special player in my opinion um I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about him without giving up too much of what's in the video. <laughs> I don't know what else to say or not say. Stylistically, who would you compare him to? Mm-hmm. So previously, I have compared him to Zaha. And the reason I've done that is because um, both him and Zaha sometimes utilize a very low, very wide gait with bent knees. And they use that for um, you know manipulation, change of direction, disguise. And both of them are good at being able to dig the ball out from them. From like when the ball is underneath you in a low squat, when you see a centre back get in that position, it's like it's game over. <laughs> like they're in trouble. But both Nusa and and Zaha before him are good at digging out the ball from underneath them in those situations and and playing a, like a pretty powerful cross from what is like a a, a kinesthetically difficult situation. Um, but um, the more popular point of comparison has been <laughs> to Neymar, and because um, you know Norwegian Neymar, Norwegian Neymar, it's it's fun to say. But like I get it, and that's quite dangerous and and scary to put that label on an eighteen year old. But like, but I get it, right? <laughs> I I don't want to get down about this, but is right. there a fear that he could be like the Ketelare was like a big thing coming out of the Belgian league who ripped True. it up, and then he's been he's been okay, he's been all right, he bad 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 first season, better season this year. Is there a worry that? We may get overexcited, like perhaps people were with with Gift Orban in the summer. Hmm. I don't know. I do think people were overexcited about Gift Orban, who was massively overperforming his expected goals, um, and has now gone back the other way and scored one or two in his last ten or something games, and is now going to Lyon for a moderate fee. By the sound of things, um, I think people were correctly excited about Shalotika Talara. I think things didn't work out for Milan because sometimes things don't work out for you, and the system of football that they're playing there might not be the best for him doing pretty well at Atalanta right now right so um, I think he'll probably come good in the long term um, yeah I it's certainly true it's certainly true that just because you're good and in my opinion basically too good in the Belgian league doesn't necessarily mean 
you're going to be um, outstanding in a, in a top five league or the top one league right now, right? And um, certainly when you look at company at Burnley and the work that he did in the championship in the Premier League, a lot of what that, a lot of the strength of that is, um, a lot of the strength of the championship was him recruiting well from the Belgian league. Yeah. And they were very technically strong and they got over a hundred championship points and then they've moved up to the Premier League and those same players are now at a talent disadvantage to Premier League, right? So, the, the, there is definitely a leap between Belgian football um, and Premier League football. So I get that. Um, you can't be certain. You can never be certain. But um, he passed the eye test, man. He really passed the eye test. I guess, like, you know, um, at 16, he was too good for Norwegian football. At 18, he's too good for Belgian football. Therefore, yeah. you know, age 20, too good for the Premier League. Age 22, too good for the Champions League. Age 24, greatest player of all time. That's my I do think I do I do quite enjoy Burnley but you're you're right they they've been put together and they're perhaps they're a bit too young and too soft but I, I do think he's got some things right I really obviously because he's Italian Coliosho I love Coliosho and I'm really mm. upset he, he got injured because I thought he would have made a run for the Euros but if you guys are happy about Noosa then I'm happy about Noosa but I do think it's funny how um, for years you've been going on about a dribbly winger and now it's everything everybody talks about with Tottenham is dribbly winger this <laughs> oh it's the key dribbly winger this dribbly winger that yeah and I think that like because I felt like this role that we need um, has got to be they can't be a squad player right we misstepped with Solomon in my opinion because we went for a decent option an okay option a cheap option whereas what we need is like a lock someone who's going to come in and just immediately be the first choice um, and, and able to play most games and that's why I've said you know where I, most of the time I'm like let's look in that region of 15 to 30 million um, there's lots of good talent there under scouted players um, non-top five league talents <clears throat> my opinion with with the 1v1 specialist the winger is that we should go for Nico Williams we should inquire about even Kerry Mitama. Um we should look at um, um, Pedronetto, right? Because we need a first eleven quality player. Obviously, having never played in a top five league and being an eighteen year old, Noosa is more towards the prospect side. But he's so good that I wouldn't be shocked if he's pretty quickly at that level that we're looking at. That that I'm looking for for a first eleven quality player. Nice. And the suggestion is that we will buy now and loan back. And the idea is we buy now because there's so much competition. Mm. And if we don't buy now, we might lose the opportunity. Yeah, this uh, and again, this is something to talk about in the video. I don't I don't think he needs the minutes desperately. I don't think he needs to develop technically or tactically. Um, so I don't think that that like that was the case, in my opinion, for Saar. He needed more minutes, probably. And then like Udogi, probably, probably it was right for him to get some more low minutes. Whereas like, I don't think Noose is going to, going to benefit hugely from another 500 minutes in Brugger. Um, but if he wants to stay and he wants to see the season out of the club that he's at, then that's kind of cool. And if it's what separates our bid from Chelsea's bid from Liverpool's bids, then, then great because we'll be okay for six months without him. So, um, from that perspective, that makes sense where I do think he needs to develop is physically. Um, and so that in my opinion means, means time in the gym rather than time on the pitch. And we were just talking about Charles de Ketelara, uh, who plays for Atalanta and Spurs this past week have been linked with his teammate, Edison, who plays in midfield oh, have we? and seems to profile similarly-ish to Conor Gallagher. Um, what do we think of that? Link? Huh. Well, this is one where I've said, oh, I think this is a good player for us. And then, and then a week later, we've been linked as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, this is interesting. So, um, I did a thread on 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 eights, and we spoke about it the other week. Um, and I mentioned mentioned Aderson. He he's someone who's previously had minutes as a number ten um, at Atalanta, but is really more at home being a number eight. Um, and what I essentially said about him is like, if we were a normal team, if we had a normal setup, if our coach wasn't a lunatic who played like seven attackers at all times. I would definitely be looking at this guy as like a first choice number eight in a, in a normal system, right? Because like defensive work is really strong. Physical game is good. Great technical gets up and down and he gets shots, right? But like he doesn't really get much better 
in terms of shot production than Bentoncourt does. So if we're looking for someone to come in and play number eight, and the idea is that Bentoncourt is going to be the number six, Aderson's kind of another Bentoncourt. And I don't really know what that really gives us in terms of, other than just obviously depth of quality, and that's great. And I'm not, you know, that's that maybe that's just a straight up improvement on Heiberg, improvement on Skip, a second Bentoncourt. Um, but in terms of like the diversity of profile, I'm a little surprised unless we think that his shot production is going to shoot up in a in a. But it's like not like Atalanta don't play attack in football, you know. Mm. Yeah, that is really interesting because uh, I think Gallagher does. If you're saying that Edison is basically Bentancur, I think Gallagher does profile slightly differently, yeah. and that I think he's slightly more creative than Bentancur. Um. There have been various other links this week, but I think that Noose is the the big news. And I do think incomings at this stage perhaps depend on outgoings. And so if outgoings happen, then I think the links will hot up. But in terms of outgoings, we've seen Perisic go on loan to um, Hadjik Splits, and we expect him to join them permanently at the end of the season. Yeah. So we won't be seeing Perisic again for Spurs. Uh, we've already spoken about Divine. He's gone to Plymouth on loan. There are also links with uh, Emerson Royale and Al Nasser, uh, Brian Hill and Lazio, which could be a loan at this stage. Hoybier, again, is being linked with a transfer out. Sessignon is being linked with a loan out. And Alfie Whiteman is being linked also, according to Alistair Gold, with a loan out. Um, the idea of Emerson Royale going uh, created an interesting topic of discussion in the Discord earlier. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that partway through the season, Bardi? I quite like the idea of selling him and getting as much money back as possible, but I do think it leaves us a little bit short. I was thinking, who do we play if something happens to Poro? But then uh, the kind of drop-off in quality is so big from Emerson to Poro. Does it really matter if Emerson's even mm. there? So I think 30 million is good money. If we can do that, then get rid of him. But I, I do, I am concerned about cover. Mm. Yeah, there's been reluctancy um, in the Spurs fan base because Royale's sort of done okay at right centre-back and played some minutes at left-back and can also kind of cover right-back, obviously, as his first position. Um, but I think we can do better. And I think we've got a, we've got a third centre-back in now. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to selling Emerson Royale. Um, and I think that, yeah, then we look towards improving our depth of fullback in the summer. Um Huh. In terms of dealing with Saudi Arabia, uh, I mean, huh. I mean, previously what I said was that like I've got serious uh, concerns about dealing with a government who bomb innocent Yemeni people, but that's us now too. So uh, you know, indeed, yeah. I mean, where do you, where do you draw the line? If we if we sell Emerson now, who who steps in for Poro? Who who get who takes over in case Poro yeah. is injured? Um, that's the only my, that's my only worry about it. Yeah, I mean, your options would be to play a centre-back. Yeah, there. move Romero I there, I think, is what I would do. I don't love it, but I think it's an option. Or you play utility man Oliver Skip uh, <laughs> and and hope that he can kind of hold an offside line and uh, know when to tuck in and go back out and... Not get obliterated 1v1. Yeah, which might be tricky. Or, or I guess you, you play... Uh, Ryan Sessing on, on the right if he's fit and available Ben Davis or whatever but I don't love that idea personally um, Brian Hill it, it appears suddenly that we've decided he is available for, for a loan having previously said we wanted to keep him unless we got an offer for a permanent move in which case we would release him uh, but Lazio wants some short term loan cover it seems and Brian Hill might be allowed to join why do you think there might be a sudden change well, we're linked to Noosa, but then we're not going to probably see him until at least next season. Um, I think we've probably realised that he's just not up to it physically, <laughs> basically, and he needs to go to a continental league. Um, I reckon in the summer, uh, a wrestling match between Noosa and Brian Hill, and then whoever loses gets released from their contract, and I'm, I'm leaning towards the 18-year-olds against the 22-year-olds in this situation. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, don't tell me Noosa's little. He's not small, is he? He's 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 um he's not huge. Oh great! He needs to start lifting and eating some chicken. Yeah, he he does. He yeah. does. You'll be pleased to know he's very fast, though, Bardi. 
Great. Uh, which That's I don't think Brian Hill is. No, but he's tenacious. I do. I've always admired his his tenacity and his yeah. willingness and his ambition. It's just he's just too he is too small. He is the the FIFA generation Jose Dominguez. He's just <laughs> can't cut can't cut it in terms of strength. I think he's he's a good player. You know, there's definitely a talented player there, but I just think yeah. he needs he, the intensity is just a bit too much for him. I just think he needs to remodel as a central midfield player. Same. I don't think he's good enough on the outside 1v1. I think he is quite good at connecting with players around him and good at drifting into space and obviously a very good presser. So if he makes himself into a central midfielder, I think there's a player there, but it doesn't seem like he's good enough to compete with our central midfield options right Was now. Was the previous comments on us not wanting to allow him to leave on loan before we brought Werner in? No, I oh, think okay. it was after Werner. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could be that they've had a look at Solomon back in training True. and decided that yeah. that he can, can, can offer more than, than Brian Hill. Yeah. I think so. I think um, Solomon's a, a far better option than Brian Hill. I just, I don't see it. And I, I don't even see him becoming a central midfielder, like doing a David Silva or a Bernardo Silva and just being, I just don't think his, his ability to retain the ball under pressure is that good. He'll be a, a middling winger for somewhere on the continent and he'll do all right. Good luck to him. But yeah, he just didn't develop at Spurs. Yep, like so many before him. Um, Hoybier we've spoken about so many times, but I think if we if he leaves now and we get a replacement like Gallagher or like Edison, I think the majority of the fan base will be very happy with that and see that as a significant upgrade, particularly now we've seen Benton Core play some minutes at six, where previously we thought Hoybier might be the only reasonable backup to Basuma. Um, Sessegnon's a funny one. I mean, it does make sense to get him out on loan and, and get some minutes under under his belt and then reassess in the summer. Um, I think most people have given up on Sessegnon by this point. His body is just not up yeah. to it. But uh, I don't see the downside of doing that. Kind of makes sense. And then Alfie Whiteman, my goodness, why is he still at this football club? Just for the love of God, man, just go out and play some football. Mm. Like, honestly, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? You're wasting your career away. You're 25 now. It's 25. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. he's yes, it's nuts. Been hanging around Harry Kane. Headley's been. He's played. Probably getting offer from Bayern soon. <laughs> <laughs> Who was um, Bayern have now been linked with Kieran Trippier? I don't yep. know. I think what's happened to their data? Is it all been corrupted? Something's uh, gone wrong. I think. I um, mean, how could how can you have a back a, a defensive line for like this modern team that has intentions to win the Champions League with Harry Kane up front, who just is brilliant but doesn't move. And then Dyer and Trippier was also part of your defensive setup. I think that they're going to have a really good go at the 2017 Europa League with that combination of players. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you know that uh, Old Trafford the other day, Timo Werner, became the fifth German to play for us in the Premier League era? This is a little bit of a Bardi's brain buster for you. Can you name the other four Germans to have played for Tottenham Hotspur? I know three straight off. Klinsman, yes, Klinsman, Stefan Freund, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Zieger. Yeah. Uh, now, does Kevin Prince Boateng count as mm-hmm. German? Oh, I 
didn't count him as German, no. But okay. yeah, he was well. He was technically he was German when he joined us, and then he swapped he swapped Please. allegiances. But he never was capped, obviously, at, um, at a proper FIFA game. And I hope you're not googling, Wendy. I just saw your fingers oh, moving. Lewis Holtby. Lewis Holtby. Lewis Holtby. Well done. Mm. They're the four Germans. Who, oh. So team of owners number five. Oh, okay, and that's everyone. I was go- I was googling uh, which uh, country he'd switched Nigeria? allegiance to. Kevin Prince. No, Ghana. Oh, Ghana. Sorry, Ghana. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I couldn't. I couldn't remember what it was. And uh, there is yeah, he was one an more character. There is one more German which I felt I couldn't include because he only had one game for us, and it was in the nineteen oh eight season, which was. <laughs> uh, I don't think there were stats around in those days. But his name was Max Seberg, who um, we signed from Chelsea. So there you go. There's a bit of um, a bit of history repeating itself there. He ended up becoming a pub landlord somewhere. He was arrested during 1914 because obviously he was German and they, they didn't trust him, but then they let him loose. And he ended up seeing out his days as a pub landlord in Reading. So there you go. They're the six Germans wow. who have appeared for Spurs. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. And to show how simple it is, I'm going to break character and use some stats. Hey, Wendy, do you know how many people on average stick to their New Year re- resolutions? Hmm, I'd guess that maybe 20%. No, my optimistic little buddy, it's far less. Only 9% of people on average stick to their plans. And that because quite often we set ourselves unrealistic goals. The best thing to do is make a small change with a big impact. AG1 is one of those changes that I've made and I've stuck to it through Jose, Nuno, my manager Conte and now my new guy, Big Ange. It's a simple scoop, shake and drink resolution that's part of my life, just like dropping the best and the hottest takes. I like simplicity, I like the eye test and I like it nice and straightforward and that's what AG1 is for me, a change I can sustain. Go make a change, go get AG1 mate. If there's one product we had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1 and that's why we partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. Andrew Elliott, who is AC Elliott 79 on X, says, how seriously should we take the FA Cup? And I think that is a really interesting conundrum. Um, at the time that Andrew sent that to us, we were having a bit of a rough patch and we'd, mm. we'd uh, struggled to win. And I think the point of the question was, well, now we ought to prioritise it above all else. And obviously since then, things have turned and, you know, we could win the league this year. <laughs> if we if we, if, if, if we really like get, get it together, like there's no reason why we shouldn't be challenging for the league. Uh, so where do you think we should be placing the FA Cup in terms of priorities? Um, I think that with only two competitions, we should be playing our first 11 in both competitions and, and, and we can, we should be able to afford to do that. And we have <clears throat> not the best depth, but actually <sighs> we're getting so, um, we're getting so efficient in our recruitment now, you know? Um, so pretty quickly the depth is coming along, um, if you think about like how long, how many like successive windows in a row there's been a like a, a gaping hole in the first 11, window after window after window, and we've never really had quality of depth. Um, finally, we are like recognize the problem, create a list of potential players, coach picks favorite or vetoes ones he doesn't like and we are and we get the deal done it's just like we're we're operating on a totally different level to how we previously operated um again yeah fullback depth isn't there center back depth i'm still a tiny bit worried about delegations passing we'll see um midfield's coming along and we'll, we'll get there with it uh, and i guess also the coach's use of like second string players like once you're out of the first 11 you aren't just <laughs> written off <laughs> to history like you you can come back in and have an impact as well so depth is really coming along um uh match fitness not match fitness but um uh, uh maintaining cardio levels for the full 90 minutes has been an issue but i don't think that playing the fa cup games are really going to have too much of an impact with that i think if anything it can kind of help build that rhythm um and help us rotate through that where we do have our quality of depth so i don't see any reason and obviously we've 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 played the burnley game um i don't see any reason why we can't be playing first 11 or you know obviously there's there's kind of not an actual first 11 but 
uh, match-specific first 11s for, for both competitions. And getting my boy Richie his 15 goals. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really unfortunate, obviously, that we drew Man City this early in the mm. in the Cup, especially this playing the game this week as well with a game Wednesday, then a game early Saturday. It really hasn't helped us. But 100% we should be taking this serious, play our best team against Man City. I think Haaland might be on the bench from what City is saying. Um, Edison definitely won't start, but he doesn't start anyway. De Bruyne will probably start, which isn't great. But, mm. you know, eventually, they, they, eventually they've got to score at, they haven't they haven't yet but eventually it's gonna happen it's gonna be a good game i would love us to to win it and i always think there's certain moments in every kind of cup run where you think if you get through this one then the name the 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 ribbons might be on the trophy and this is definitely one of those games where we can get through man city um i would love us to win an fa cup it was part of kind of defining moments of my childhood people who are my age that fa cup run in 91 was one of the best things we've ever seen um, I would love us to win it again. If uh, if Werner starts that game, which I imagine he will, does his best sunny impression, scores two goals in a in a, an absolute XG thrashing by City, mm. and then he's out injured for the rest of the season, he's successfully done his job on this loan, hasn't he? I don't think absolutely. Gonna, I don't think Ange is going to low block and counter his way to <laughs> no, this game. No, no. It's going it's going to be really open. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great game. Um, I think so. I am nervous about it though. Very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like as much as when the balls came out, it did suck a bit. The city. I kind of got used to the idea, and now I think actually it might be the perfect draw because either you lose and then you just focus on the league and and hopefully keep players fitter mm. or you win and then you've knocked out the best team in the competition and you've you've really got a chance to to then be the best team in the competition mm-hmm. the one that everyone wants to be and I, and I would really fancy our chances if we were to win on Friday so I do think uh go strong go as strong as possible hopefully that means Madison's back that'd be a, a mm. nice bonus um really intrigued to see how we look with uh you know playing as well as we are but with Madison back in the side, I think that's a very exciting prospect. Uh, the 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 Vern and Madison link up will be interesting as well. Johnson, I don't think has played with Madison yet either. Um, but you're so creating a problem for yourself now. You are creating an issue because if Madison is back, then um, Kulisevsky, I guess, would deploy him right, and Johnson gets dropped. Inverna starts. The, the, yeah, the good thing is we we went to Etihad and we had Davies and Emerson at centre back, so we immediately we got a, we got a foot up. There's an improvement there. Um, yeah, but so we'd play um, we'd play Bentoncourt, Madison, and Skippy. I guess would be the three. I'd go Hoybier. I'd keep Hoybier at the six, and I'd play. Or I, uh, maybe I would play Madison, Kulusevski, Bentoncourt in midfield, and that sounds insane. But like, I'd rather that than play Skip or Hoybier. I think. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so while we're on the subject of midfield, we've got several questions about our midfield. Um, Let's start with this one. So Ephraim White says, if everyone is healthy, who is in Angie's midfield three when we play Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City later this season? So let's assume Madison's back. Let's assume Basuma is back and in one piece. Let's assume Saar is back and in one piece. Uh, There's quite a few options developing in midfield. What midfield three do you go against Arsenal, Liverpool and City? And is it the same for each is the other question. I think it's probably the same for each. Yeah, I think it's probably the same for each. And I think that is Basuma, Benton, Core, and Madison. Yeah, I think that's my pick as well. And I really love the sound of that midfield. And obviously the prospect of having Saar on the bench and being able to bring yeah. him on for the final half an hour or whatever is very exciting as well. I think that's, I think that's it. And then you've got the rotation option where if Bentancourt is not working, you swap you swap Basar, you swap Saar in. If Basuma picks up his yellow, you mm. swap Basuma and Bentancourt around, bring in Saar. And Madison is also interchangeable with Lacelso and Kulisewski. It's the um, I think we definitely need if we're in the Champions League next year, we definitely need one more because if we keep Lacelso, could be it could be your gallery. Yeah, I think yeah, I think one more if you keep Lacelso and and two if you don't. And I I suspect he will leave still. That's my gut feel. Um, 
Alec Depkrinsky says, watching the team since Madison's absence, I think a lot of our issues in attack and control in the game flow are down to not having another player like him in the squad. Early in the season, he would routinely drop into pockets in the fullbacks and centre-backs, collect the ball and progress it forward, either through decisive passing or direct running. We simply don't have another player like this in the squad. And I think um, I think that has become clear in his absence. And I think we've coped pretty well on the whole, considering the other injuries as well. Um, but Nathan, is some sort of Madison rotation a priority for you in the summer? That's tricky, right? Because um, Kulusevski has played really well in that role. Celso has played well in that role. Um, but I also completely agree with 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 Alex's analysis that um, Madison gives us something that neither of those players do, which is ability to move deep, move into a fullback area, take the ball on the turn, take you know ten consecutive touches, and dictate the tempo and 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 um, progress the ball for us in that manner. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think Madison's going to give us a lot when he comes back. Um, but it's also like, if that's vital, if we need that, and we're not getting that from Lacelsa, we're not getting that from Kulusevski, um, we're not getting that from playing, you know, skipping that role, um, what are you going to do? Are you going to get rid of, of several of those players to bring someone in who profiles more like James Madison? I think we have to um, accept what Kulusevski does give us in that role, accept what mm. Lacelsa, if he stays, does give us in that role, um, which is certainly more than nothing, except what Donnelly can potentially, you know, in the future give us in that role um, and uh, adapt around their different profiles. I mean, it's Madison's, he's just so smart. He's like, he knows when he needs to drop in to, to give an option to move the ball out. And then he's just able, he's got the, he's got the legs and the, the kind of movement to be able to move up the pitch and then put himself somewhere else where he knows the ball needs to be. And it's just, it's just something that he has mentally, something he has physically, and just no one else in our team has that to that degree. Lacelso shows moments of it. He really does where he just understands the need to be somewhere on the pitch. And that's what we've really missed. And the fact that he just can just open himself up both ways and fling the ball out left, switch it right. He just, it's like, a, he's, a, he's an ambidextrous midfielder, man. He just opens mm. up the whole pitch for us and it's, it's brilliant when he's playing. And we've really missed that. And this is why... Um, I've sort of come around on Colin Gallagher because I think when you have when you if you have you know either Basuma or Bentacore as Steve's midfielder and then your two eights as it were are Madison and Gallagher both of them can come towards the play both of them can operate in deep areas and both of them can push ahead of the ball and offer different means of playing ahead of the ball um, so you can be super super flexible with them because obviously um, we have seen Madison come towards the ball and you know Saar uh, most of the time pushing up um, but he's not super comfortable playing ahead of the ball and, and, and moving um, and, and operating against the opponents off sideline and things like that so that is you know I wouldn't be shocked um, if we were to bring in Colin Gallagher or I guess another similar profile um, if we kind of saw much more of a 4-3-3 and a little less of a 4-2-3-1 um, I know that's an arc for you as it is already <laughs> Wendy um, um, and a lot more of Madison getting on the ball deeper um, yeah yeah I like I like the Gallagher move for kind of covering some of the Madison skill set as well um, so in a similar vein, Connor S says, say we managed to get Champions League next year for argument's sake, touch wood, taking into account the homegrown um, regulations, who would be your ideal six or seven midfield options for the season? So I think we can assume that we'll have Basuma, Bentancur, Madison and Saar as yeah. four. I think we probably all agree that Hoybier, Lacelso, and Skip if we have any of them, like it will be one of them, probably. Most likely, let's say I, I think right? all three. I think all three might go. Mm. Um, that would leave us needing two, probably three signings. I think Alfie Devine will probably be part of the first team squad, personally. But also, Kulusevski can can mm. come off the wing and 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 provide depth for Madison, right? Mm. Mm. So Basuma, Bentancur, Madison, Kulusevski, Saar. That's five players. Add in Devine. That's six. But, Do we need one more, two more? Uh, yeah, then I'd add Conor Gallagher in, and you've got a pretty strong yeah. coverage across the board, right? I mean, that is a really strong midfield combination, isn't it? Yeah, there, there were times where I'd look at Liverpool's midfield two or three years ago, and I'd think, God, I would love to have the amount of options they have in midfield and the ability to sort of change players out and not lose any quality. And I look at Liverpool's midfield now, and I think we are better than them. <laughs> like, we've got a better midfield than Liverpool. We've got Hoybier, and, and uh, we've got Skip. <laughs> I think Riley, that's what a, are you thinking? Are you are you happy with what we've got? 
Um, I haven't seen enough of Divine to to say whether or not he warrants that position. I like I like the options. Um, it would be nice to keep. Lacelso when he plays, I like him, but it's the fact he's just unreliable, and maybe we should cash in. So yeah, mm. Gallagher would be a good addition to that. I'm not sold on him, but we we need passports, man. So get him in. Hmm. Um, so we we touched on Brennan Johnson just then. Uh, we had a question from Petter who says, are Spurs fans worse than other fans when it comes to targeting our own players? For example, if I were Noosa, an Arsenal fan, by the way, God, I didn't know oh. that, and was watching the treatment of Brennan Johnson, I'd think twice about signing. But I guess idiots are everywhere. There are idiots and this is in relation man. to the fact that, uh, yeah, this is in relation to the fact that uh, Brennan Johnson has turned off comments on his Instagram because he was getting so much abuse from his own fans, which seems... Uh, a damn shame to me. There are, there are there, every set of fan base is as bad as each other. I don't think there's a fan base worse than another one. I think we all, we all, we've all done it. I've, I mean, I've never directed any kind of abuse. Actually, I don't, I don't even know. If, is it? Do I abuse your EBA? I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so. It's. I don't think so. I, I comment on his performance, and I don't. I don't like it. But I wouldn't abuse him. He. He seems like a really nice man. Um. I think the abuse Johnson gets is just a. It's just a combination of, of people getting being able to demonstrate it. The visibility of abuse is so much more now. Um. I don't think it's right. I think he's a good player who's trying to settle in at, at a club. But I don't think it's any worse than what other fans out there are doing. What what Arsenal fans are doing to their own players. Yeah, yeah. I um, I'm not. I don't really use Instagram. Uh, I certainly don't use it for um, commenting on our players' posts. I um, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I because to me, like um, I've mainly seen pretty positive. Um, comments on Johnson on on the social media that I use, like on Twitter, on on r slash coys, on our discords. Those are the three places where I discuss Spurs, basically. And um, people seem largely pretty positive, right? So I sort of don't know. Um, I do wonder, like, <clears throat> is it definitely Spurs fans? Is it definitely Spurs fans? Is it people saying things that could be construed as being Spurs fans or not? Is it people pretending to be Spurs fans? You know, um, which is not to say that Spurs fans don't do things like that because of course and Buddy's completely right essentially the bigger the fan base um the more dickheads and the dickheads will scale as a percentage of a larger fan base but they will always be loud regardless of how <laughs> small they are so essentially the larger the fan base uh the more dickhead exposure you get um i don't think we can like beat ourselves up for for having dickheads in our fan base and, and it's very hard for us to police our own fans i hate it i think it's stupid i think it's ridiculous i think the people the way people will like um like if i i'll comment something on a player and it might be something negative because again that's not abuse that's that's us doing our thing right and then someone will tag that player under my tweet and say something much harsher it's like what are you doing like why why would you do that who is that for why do you need to tag them like we obviously we both know who we're talking about because we can understand what a name is what what are you using the tag feature for Mm. i get it i think the behavior of football fans or some football fans on social media really reminds me of of being back at school. Um, yeah, sure. I don't know if you guys had those situations where it felt like it sometimes felt like um, groups of people just picked someone every week as their target for that week, and they would just go in, in on them at every opportunity. And you know, you, do, you might have one person who was a ringleader, and then everyone else would join in, and, and that person just felt completely like ganged up on. And it was it kept, kind of came from nowhere of, often a lot of the time. And I feel like this is what's happening with Johnson. It's people had a perception of what he was and is, and Spurs spent a certain amount of money, which perhaps was in their heads reserved for their their favouritest player in the world, and it didn't get spent on them. And, and now they want to go for Johnson because like he's the reason their favouritest player in the world did not join Spurs, and others just join in because it, like it makes them feel better in some way. And it's it feels very unpleasant. I saw it's not it's not just around Johnson. I saw um, a post last night that I found really depressing. That it got loads of likes and loads of Spurs fans beneath it were saying, uh, were like just sending like cry laugh emojis. And it was it was a a post about um, who'd won the most trophies or something. Mm-hmm. And then some Spurs fan had made like just a random misogynistic comment about Declan Rice Declan Rice's partner. 
And it was really unnecessary and unpleasant and just had hundreds of responses applauding it and cry laughing at it. I was like, what are we like? This is literally like schoolyard behavior. What, how, what has society become where this is seen as okay? But I think like, you're, it gets cheered on. You're closer to the truth than you realize. And I think that, um, we forget as as adults that like a lot of these profiles on Twitter that are like named after a footballer and have a footballer as the the profile picture, they're just kids and they're just teenagers. And because um because of the the anonymity of it, um, we forget that <laughs> they're just kids and that what they say has no bearing and, and no importance. And the fact that they have, you know, 8,000 retweets on a misogynistic or um, abusive or whatever comment doesn't doesn't mean that it's worth anything. It just means that they're mm. gaming the algorithm to spread their crap and they've bought a verified account and stuff like that, you know. And they're profiting yeah. from it. This is the thing. They're, yeah. profi- they're literally profiting But this from, is a problem with the platform spite. rather than you know um the overall tottenham uh community i don't think it's um I, I, the behavior has remained the same because back in the day vinny samways came to spurs and he was called vinny sideways and he received a lot of abuse and everything else because of because of the way he played he wasn't very up and at him and he was he was very he was a very latin midfielder who turned up in in a pro, in a first old first division that that liked to whack it up the field hmm. and he got abused hmm. for that ian wright um who was in the who was in this film i watched the kitchen the other day and ian wright popped up in it as a as a kind of commentator of it and he was really good in it and um he used to get loads of abuse from us about about his partner as well so we we did that we did the same to them hmm. and it's it's the yeah. behavior has remained the same but before it was kind of isolated to, to maybe a pub or the football stadium. Now everybody's everybody's got an opinion and everybody's able to broadcast that p- opinion. I don't think fans are have got worse. I think probably as the the, the fans in this country anyway. I think there's been a, a general steady of improvement despite what we saw recently in the championship about some racist remarks and stuff. I think on the whole, football fans have improved. It's just social media has given people the voice to do and say stupid things. And I think that's mm. that's the issue. And I do think that what Brennan Johnson's done, turning off comments, is the right course yeah. of action. Yeah. Like, there's just no need for him to see that. Or and if it's not him, like if it's just his team or whatever, again, there's just no need for them to have to see that kind of vitriol. So switching off seems like a very sensible approach to me. But I do hope he knows that on the whole, Spurs fans are 100% behind him and want him to succeed. Um you know, there's nothing I'd like more than Brennan Johnson to become, you know, the next Gareth Bale for us. It, it would be so wonderful. And he seems like a really, really nice kid. He did some really nice stuff for a homeless charity around Christmas. Um, he seems like a good person. And the, the idea that he um, felt that he needed to switch them off, I just think is is very sad. A sad indictment of our fans online. It's not even been that bad, man. He's been good. There's been there's been worse players who've been clapped and supported over the years at Spurs who've done less than what uh, less than what he's done in his time. He's you know he's clocked up a few mm. assists. He offers something. Yeah, his final ball can be a bit wonky or sometimes he lacks confidence. But that's stuff that I believe he can fix in time. You have been listening to the Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.